0: This is a Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with Sandy Goliath.
1: That is just a credit to our profession that we know our stuff and when we take that test and we're done and we go out into the field, we know more than we think we know. I think a lot of times we get down on ourselves as music therapists and think that we're not perfect because we're not getting this response or that response or this isn't going right, that's not going right. I just want to encourage everyone that you are a rock star.
0: You're listening to The Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a the music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today and you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. welcome back to the music therapy chronicles thank you so much for being here today and choosing to spend your time listening to this show we so appreciate every single listen download uh, comment support follow subscribe all of those things they really help the show so much and it's great to see over time um, not that everything is about numbers, but it's great to see the numbers grow and that more people are finding this show, are sharing it with others. People reach out to me and say, a colleague shared this with me or a friend showed me your podcast and blah, blah, blah. And thank you so much for those kind words and for continuing to share the Music Therapy Chronicles content with um, the people in your life who you feel like will be touched by it. If you ever feel so inclined to share it online and tag me at Music Therapy Chronicles, I would love to see what episodes, ideas, thoughts, topics are really resonating with you. Yeah. Today's episode is a wonderful conversation with Sandy Goliath. She is... um Uh, How do I want to say this? Music therapy is not her first career. She came to music therapy later in life. She worked in hospice. The pandemic kind of threw her some curveballs and she has started her own practice working in elder care. And in this episode, she shares like her passion just comes out of her pores. You can hear it in her voice. She shares her tips, her tricks, some guiding light, I guess I'd say, in why music therapy is so important in elder care and where her passion is rooted. So this is a wonderful episode, especially for anyone else working in elder care, but also just for anyone listening who needs those like supportive reminders that sometimes our job is hard, but it is so imperative and you are making changes beyond what you can see. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sandy, but really quick before we get into that, if you haven't heard already, our pod course Music Is Your Superpower is currently on sale because at the end of this week or a week from now on August 23rd, it will be going into the MTPC vault. So That means that once the pod course is in the vault, it won't be available for purchase anymore. Uh, I might redo it and add some stuff or edit some stuff to re-release it again in the future, but that's not on the horizon right now. So if you want to get six CMTEs um, through this pod course, music is your superpower, then definitely check it out while it's on sale. It's $60 for six CMTEs, which is I think a pretty good deal. This pod course focuses on um, really digging into why we use music, how we use music, and the infinite potential that it allows us as clinicians. I know there are definitely times when I feel like music is kind of limiting and I want to like explore all these other things. I'm not really sure what to do next. You kind of get into a rut and a routine and this pod course is designed to help you look at what you're doing and expand on it musically in so many different ways. The um, podcast guests featured in this pod course are Stephanie Level, Lori Kubacek, and Carolyn Keeble. So if you want to get that pod course, the amazing workbook that's full of resources, show notes, um, extensions to your learning, the recording to the office hour, all of that, and get the six CMTEs, you have just under a week to do so before the course goes into the vault on August 23rd. And this course must be completed before November 1st in order to guarantee that you will get the pre-approved CMTs. So again, our pod course, Music is Your Superpower, is currently on sale for just under a week before it goes into the vault. And of course, links to that will be in the show notes. All right, let's get into this episode with Sandy. Sandy. Sandy, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thank you, I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited to have you today. This has been a a long time coming, we've been coordinating. So thank you for making the time to come on the show and share with the listeners and hang out with me. Absolutely, my pleasure. Appreciate it. So to start us off, tell the listeners about who you are, what you do, it could be music therapy related or not. Okay,
1: my name is Sandy Goliath and I am uh, a music therapist here in the lovely state of Colorado. I reside in Colorado Springs. Um, Actually, I went to school in Ohio and got my music therapy degree there. Um, I currently own my own company called Mountain Music Therapy Services, and I am currently serving the senior population in Colorado Springs and in the surrounding area. Um, I have just whittled my schedule down to only include the senior population. I haven't always done that. Um, As you can imagine, a music therapist goes in many different directions, but this is what I've honed in on and this is what my passion and all of my energy is going into in the later stages of my career. Um, I am married to a wonderful man, Tim, and we love spending the weekends going out in Colorado, exploring. Um, That's probably where I get a lot of my energy from when I'm feeling really depleted from my job. I go out into nature, we uh, find a water source, we go camping, and that's really how we love to spend our time. My mother and my four sisters live in Denver, which is about an hour and 15 minutes away, straight down the interstate. And so we go there a lot of times too and spend time with family. So that's a little bit about me and my business. Um, So I kind of wanted to, if it's okay with you, (laughs) just tell a little bit of my story of, why the senior population is just so important to me and why I love working with it. Before we get into all the logistics of you know, the elderly population and Alzheimer's dementia and all of those things. Um, yeah. what, when I was um, in middle school, that's when I started playing the piano for all of the church services. Um, took piano lessons from the time I was 11 started playing it. And each Sunday after church, we would go to the nursing homes and play for them. Oh, lovely. Yes, we would do all the hymns and the songs that they loved. And it always amazed me that these elderly people, who some of them did not talk or did not communicate, would know all the words to the songs, and I would just be struck by that fact every single time, even at that young age, not really understanding anything about the elderly population or how they function or didn't function. That was just always a mystery to me. Um So in my career of going to college. I got my degree in piano performance, went on to teach piano lessons. I taught in public and private schools, just general music education, fine arts director leading all the musicals. I did that for about 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And then decided at the age of 50, which I know is not the most common thing in the life of a music therapist, but At the age of 50, I decided to go back to school and get my music therapy degree. And I really didn't know a lot about music therapy. And honestly, truth be told, if I would have known all the work that went into the degree of getting a music therapy degree, I think I would not have done it. You know, honestly, really. It was hard. It was a lot of clinical work. Mental health work, um, things that I I wasn't really expecting um, as a musician. So coming at it from the performance side of musician and accompanist and you know teacher, it's just a a, a totally different world to be a music yeah. therapist. And I don't know if that's been you know what your journey has been as a music therapist, but that really kind of caught me off guard. And it took me, you know, it took me two years to finish my degree since I already had my degree in music and education. I just went to all day Saturday classes, Tuesday night classes, did all of my practicums when I had free time. It was um, it was rough. And I didn't pass my uh, board certification exam the first time. Thank you for saying Uh, that. More people need to say that. Good.
0: (laughs) I didn't either. There's a whole episode on
1: that. I'm telling you. Um, It is a tough exam, and I have sympathized so many times reading the comments on the different music therapy pages with people that really struggle with taking the test, and it's not easy. But you know what? That is just a credit to our profession that we know our stuff, and when we take that test, and we're done, and we go out into the field. We know more than we think we know. Think a lot of times we get down on ourselves as music therapists and think that we're not perfect because we're not getting this response or that response or this isn't going right, that's not going right. I just want to encourage everyone that you are a rock star. My te—I'll never forget this. My teacher in college told me, my professor, if you walk in the in the room with a guitar, you're that much farther ahead. Walk in the room with a guitar year ahead so just a little side encouragement to those of you that kind of struggled with the test there we go appreciated yeah absolutely so i again i've worked with all populations and the last oh my goodness i would say the last well so during covid i had a hospice music therapy, full-time job, which was my dream job. And unfortunately due to COVID, I lost that job and they kept me on as long as they could. And so after COVID and things started to open up again, just a little bit, that's when I decided to go ahead and start my own business. And I decided that I wanted to minister. I wanted to bring services, I wanted to bring dignity and respect to the senior population, especially after all that they had been through.
0: Yeah, how beautiful. And what a beautiful way to bridge your worlds, to like have a very unique niche in what you're able to provide from such a genuine level Um, because you lived it, you've experienced it. It's not like something you learned in a classroom. It is your lived experience you're bringing. That's wonderful. Absolutely.
1: So, I mean, shall we get into the nitty gritty of.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Okay,
1: all right. So, if you, you know, stop me along the way if you've got questions or if you want to clarify or if I'm rambling, just tell me. All right. So, I got all of my information about the statistics of Alzheimer's. Um, and dementia, I would encourage anybody to go to alz.org, a-l-z.org. You can go on there and you can get the whole printout of 2022 of all the statistics of Alzheimer's, um, the characteristics of Alzheimer's, who's more at risk, what they're doing as far as treatment. It's just really a wonderful resource. It's a huge article, I mean, it's like, I don't know, 50 pages long, but you can go through here. Yeah, you can go through and kind of pick, you know, what you want to focus on. I have used that document several times just in my education with caregivers at facilities and things like that. So Mm -hmm. ALZ.org, ALZ.org. So currently, right now, there are about 6 million Americans living with Alzheimer's in the United States. And a side note, they do have all the statistics from other countries as well which I find very interesting. Yeah. So six million Americans are living with Alzheimer's. It's the sixth leading cause of death in the elderly. And by 2050, they're predicting there's going to be 12.7 million that will have Alzheimer's or dementia. So that is doubling by 2050. So currently we're at 6 million, 2050 predicted 12.7 million. also on this site, they have it divided into state. So you can go in there and look at your state, which I just find very interesting um, to look at the statistics state by state. So Colorado, for instance, now has about 76,000 individuals. Mm -hmm. And by 2025, we're going to have 92,000. So obviously, you know, the numbers are going up, um, which I know that's not not that's not like a big, huge surprise for no. anybody, But it is a little bit sobering um, just to think of those numbers doubling in a matter of years. And then also, you know, I'm sure that everyone listening probably has been affected by somebody that has Alzheimer's in their families. And so this is just going to continue to you know rise the numbers are going to continue to rise however i don't i don't want to leave this on a sad note or a discouraging note because i really believe that music therapy is one of the best non pharmacological things that we can bring into facilities in conjunction with all the other therapies and all the other activities that they're receiving as well. Music therapy is one of the best things to bring in to help and to aid and to improve quality of life, you know, besides all those other goals that we try to work on. So as the numbers rise, yes, but as music therapy, we can move into that, population with confidence, because we have the tools to help these people and to help their families and to help their caregivers. I can't stress that enough. To help their caregivers and to help their families, we're there to do that as well. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that we're able to do to bring families together. Um, Just in my experience with working in hospice, the many times that I've been able to sit bedside with a patient, and the patient is passing, and the family is gathered around the bed, and you know, bringing music into the situation brings comfort, brings peace, brings humor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you sing the songs, as you talk with the family, as you hear the stories about their loved ones, you're just really struck by how much you can come in and just smooth out all the rough edges and provide some peace and comfort to that family and the caregivers and the patients. (laughs) So um, I'm just really, I'm just so very, very passionate about what my company provides here Um, in the Springs, yes. But you know, reaching out beyond that as well. In fact, on my brochure, which I'm not one to throw around my brochure, like you should. (laughs) I'm like, come into my session, watch me in action, come in and see what happens. Also true. Yes, with the with the residents. Don't just look at my brochure. But on Mm. here, I have compassion, dignity, and respect. Mm. So. Those are the things that like really highlight my business. It doesn't even have to anything to do with music. Honestly, when you look at my brochure and you see compassion, dignity, and respect, it has to do with how do you, how do you come into the door of a facility and at that first moment of contact with whomever you are, you know, communicating with the receptionist, whoever. Mm. How are you, you know, presenting yourself, your company? Are you respectful? Are you cheerful? Are you accommodating? Are you flexible? Um, you know, and then when you come in and you set up your whole little setup thing for group music therapy, how do you interact with the residents from the get go? You know, are you respectful? Do you say hello? Are you smiling? Are you treating them with the dignity and the respect that they deserve? Because that's, that's what my passion is. And then, yes, I'm prepared musically. I have a whole plan of what I'm gonna do. I have themes laid out of what we're gonna sing. I have talking points of reminiscence that they can get in on. I have shakers so that they can move. But my point is from the very first contact, how are you presenting yourself?
0: Yeah. I think that's an important reminder because sometimes we and I think part of this is we're taught, we come in and we're like, I'm the music therapist and I need to prove who I am and that I'm valid and you know, all of these ego-based things. Like I am sure. not entertainment and I need to stand up for myself and I don't want to get walked all over, even though I think at our core we all are yes. very compassionate people. Right. Um it's an important reminder to like make sure that that's at the forefront of what we're doing.
1: I've always been a firm believer in that. Maybe that's what Mm -hmm. my mom and dad taught me. I don't know. But it's just a fundamental concept to present yourself. I I don't want to be too cliche, but just to be a decent human being from the very get go, Mm -hmm. putting your music aside, um, putting your skills aside, you are a person coming into a facility and you are bringing a service, how do you treat people? Everyone, yeah. not just the
0: residents. Yeah, well said. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to just move into a little bit of, of the effects of COVID on the elderly. I don't want to get too technical here, but I've I've done some research and read some articles because this really interests me. And I don't think anybody that's working with the senior population, with the elderly in these facilities, nobody can argue that the COVID pandemic was just monumentally tragic for this population in so many different ways. Um, You know, the loneliness, the isolation, just the lack of contact with their families. Is heartbreaking. Then you had music therapists that weren't allowed to go into these mm-hmm. facilities because we were considered non-essential. So for me personally, when I lost my job due to the it, when I was with a hospice music therapist, it really, it really threw me for a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect it. And the way that it happened is it was March, what, March, 2020, is that right? Yep. Is that right? Okay. I wasn't sure if it was 2019, 2019 or? Nope. twenty twenty.
0: March okay. was 13th, 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you say the 13th? Yes, it was Friday the thirteenth after a super blue blood moon and the time change. Okay, so, like that week we were just set up for failure.
1: <laughs> what are the chances of that? Oh my gosh, that never even came together for me. Oh, that's gonna blow my mind for it the rest. It was of the also day. my
0: birthday week. so oh I just like God. I remember. I remember all the details. <laughs> anyway, please say your piece. <laughs>
1: So I remember I had four facilities on my schedule to go, and I went to the first one, rang the doorbell, and I was greeted at the door by a caregiver that I knew very well. She answered the door and she said, hello, and I said, hello, and I was just getting ready to push my card in and she said, unfortunately, you're not going to be allowed to come into the facility today. So I think I gulped for a minute and just tried to get my bearings. Um, you know, as a professional, I wasn't gonna like break down and cry or anything, but I just, I think my first thought was, was, well, why not? Um, then after she was insistent, the ED came over and said, nope, sorry, we can't have you in here today. They were very kind. Um, they weren't, you know what I mean? Oh, it was terrible. I went to my car and I just thought, wow, I think I remember thinking this is monumentally going to change my, my whole job. And it did, uh, you know, we went to recorded sessions, we went to FaceTime, we went to using the echo dot in the parking lot, you know, out of the truck of my car, we went to, you know, just making recordings for each individual patient. And it was just so incredibly strange. To do music therapy that way, and I think all of us as music therapists can remember that time. It was uh, confusing. You were scrambling. You didn't know if you were doing enough. It, I don't know. I just think it it really affected our self image as music therapists. Boy, we rebounded though. I mean, we (laughs) we got in that driver's seat and we, you know, tried to figure it out. And I think we did a heck of a job doing that as well. We really did rebound. But there was an article in 2021 by a lady named Gabrielle Martins, and she wrote um, the, the effects of COVID-19 among the elderly population, the case for closing the digital divide. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. You've got the population that is most affected by the physical effects of COVID. If they get it, the chances of them passing quickly um, are just incredible i mean it just hastens it seems like the passing so you've got they're the most affected um, so they get hit with isolation loneliness depression not being able to see their family anxiety despondency less exposure to sunlight uh, Mm -hmm. no meals with the residents no stimulating conversation no activities they're in their rooms So you've got them. Then you've got these digital tools that came along, like Zoom, um, you know, all of these other programs that we, as I think, you know, just the regular workers in America, we made it work because Zoom came along and we could have conversations and we could, you know, meet with people still and still see them and have some sort of connection. So you've got the population that's most affected by COVID, but the population that is the least proficient in these tools that are coming along. Zoom, using your iPad, using your computer, using your phone, they, the elderly did not have the means to be able to do that on their own. They were dependent on the caregivers, on the families to come in and be the liaison, to set up the tablet, set up the iPad you know, get the call to go through on FaceTime. I mean, God bless the car- caregivers. They were just scrambling, you know, to try to make these things happen. So the elderly were not able to receive the benefits. There some, some benefits. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was able to FaceTime with some of my patients for Mm -hmm. a few weeks and it went okay. It usually consisted of I would come on and say, Hello, how are you? And they would be like saying to the caregiver, Where is she? Is she why where am I supposed to oh especially if they're
0: a little dissociated to begin with, you
1: (laughs) know Oh my goodness. Oh wow. It was just a real struggle. And then I would sing like one song. Mm. And sometimes they would sing along with me, sometimes they wouldn't, you know, sometimes during the song they'd be like, you know what, I have to go to the bathroom. Or they would say, could you just turn this off? I don't know, that sound is really messing with my ears. Or it just wasn't an ideal situation at all during COVID. So I think, I think they were spot on. Those digital tools did not, they weren't really helpful for the elderly population. And it wasn't an ideal solution. I know that we made the best of it, but I think, yes, COVID just really tore down our ways of communicating with the elderly population, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well said.
1: Yeah. So, um, there's another article that I read to on a more positive note now that we've talked about how COVID, you know, affected them. Um, it's the second article that I have here is music therapy is a potential intervention for cognition of Alzheimer's disease. I probably should have like flipped these and talked about this one first and then the one with COVID, but um. This was by just several people that did it. It was talking about how music therapy can improve multiple domains of cognition, including attention, psychomotor speed, memory, orientation, executive functions. They found that listening to music could increase the global cognition of Alzheimer's disease. I'm not sure what global Cognition is in relation to
0: regular cognition. Do you have hmm. any thoughts on that? Uh, well, my initial thought was since music creates, you know, what we'd say is like a global experience, right? We're not we're not just tapping into one area of the brain. We're lighting up all the areas: the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex. That you know, right. we're so I'm thinking like because we can access so much of the brain at once, there that's you go. why we're seeing all these results yeah is that what it's saying
1: that sounds good to me that makes perfect (laughs) sense (laughs) but here's the interesting thing these authors pointed out that the effects of music therapy when you're in like a group session or even just individual can last for at least three weeks Oh wow! after the intervention isn't that interesting yeah like three weeks a long time Mm. so i could see like yesterday, I grew, I led a group music therapy session at this facility. Oh my gosh, I mean, these people are amazing. Like they get up and dance. They're like, oh, they're filling the room with the sound. There's like 30 of them, you know, just all in their little chairs in the reception, like the reception area thing. Um, I could see that like after a session like that, they might be talking about it with their, you know, re- their other fellow residents about, oh yeah, we sang, take me out to the ball game. and. That was so fun to think about getting hot dogs and Cracker Jacks and all that stuff. But I can't imagine like for three weeks afterwards that you would still be feeling the effects of it. But that's what they said. Very interesting to me. Yeah. Very. Okay, and then, so here's the third article that and you might know this already, but I found it very, very encouraging in our work with the elderly population. Um, It was just called Music Intervention Approaches for Alzheimer's Disease, a review of literature. Now the title alone sounds really boring, but I decided to like dive into it because I thought, wow, This is really interesting. So here's the sentence that got me. There is evidence to suggest that music from memory can remain intact for persons with Alzheimer's disease, even while experiencing rapid cognitive decline. So I'm gonna read that again. There's evidence to suggest that music from memory can remain intact for persons with Alzheimer's disease, even while experiencing rapid cognitive decline. This is thought to be because musical memory networks are separate from traditional temporal lobe memory networks, which are spared until the later stages of the disease. So I think basically in a nutshell, they're saying the parts of the brain that remember music and the words and the life experiences that that go with those, they are the last to go Mm -hmm. in, your cognitive decline of Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. So this for us as music therapists should be so encouraging because we are coming in and we're bringing music and they're singing the songs and they're remembering the words and they're talking about their life events. It makes me so emotional just to talk about it. And we get to be the ones to do that. I just Mm -hmm. think that's so incredibly amazing. And more so than that, I think that that is a gift from God, that Mm -hmm. these individuals that are going to eventually pass from this disease still have the capability to listen to music, to be involved, to participate and still have those functions towards the end of their life. It's just remarkable to me that that's the way, you know, it's laid out and it's, and again, it should be encouraging to us as music therapists to capitalize on that. And I think that's why this is what really drives me as a music therapist, to know these things. On the hard days, when i walk into a facility and someone is screaming um, cursing there's the smell overpowers Mm -hmm. you as you walk in the door these are the things that really keep me going i can't i can't tell you how many times i've been discouraged that there's been no response or there hasn't been the expected response that i've wanted Mm -hmm. but i have still persevered through the session and still kept on track with what I was doing. And there has been some sort of miraculous vocalization, verbal response, non-verbal response at the end of the session to really, like really encourage me. Uh, Just one example that I can give, I've been going to a facility for, oh gosh, even before COVID, it was like, a year before COVID, and now I've been going since they've opened up. So about a year and a half, two years, I've been involved with this facility. And I was, uh, there's, there's one lady who I call the pacer. She just walks back and forth like there's like a little hallway. I'm in a little room. She's in a hallway, and I see her go by like, I don't know, 20 times while I'm doing the whole session. But one time she stopped as I was setting up and I was like, getting the piano all ready to go. And I just started playing the song side by side, you know? So I was just singing, Oh, we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny. So while I'm singing that she starts walking up to the piano and she's never said a word to me ever. I've never heard her say anything to me or the caregivers. And she makes eye contact with me. And so I'm just sitting there and I keep singing cause I'm like, oh man, this is, this is great. I, I've never had any interaction with her before. So she walks right up and I'm singing, travel along, singing the song. And I turn to her and we make eye contact and both of us together sing side by side. And I thought, wow, it's amazing. She doesn't talk to me. I have never seen her talk to anybody else. But in that moment, there was some sort of connection. She Mm -hmm. knew what I was singing. I knew what she was singing. And we were making eye contact. And it was just really a beautiful, beautiful moment. Probably one of the most impactful moments that I've had in my music therapy career. Yeah. You know, the the residents that are singing along with you and are engaged and participating, it's really easy to get, you know, very involved with them. And so, uh, I don't know, it's easy to interact with them. It's easy to do that. But when you have somebody that's nonverbal that you're really trying to connect with, that's harder.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's been your experience in your career I did, um, in undergrad, I did a semester in hospice. And so when you were talking about sometimes not getting the response mm-hmm. that you're kind of seeking or hoping for. And I, because of what we talked about, about how music is a global experience in the brain, that ties into this point about music is one of the last things to go. Yes. Right. So even if we're not getting the response that we would love to have, we know that internally we are facilitating that global experience. Right. Um, yeah. So even if we don't see that externally, the other thing that was really instilled in me when I was in that hospice location was um, in order for a patient to remain on hospice care there has to be a record of decline, right? So if they're kind of plateaued, it's sometimes they're taken off of hospice care mm-hmm. and you know they might not be getting the services that could be ideal. So as a music therapist, being able to create that global experience, being able to have those responses or connections right. um, when other people can't, I was really tasked with you. you need to be very thorough in your documentation because someone else might not see decline, but you right. might see the decline because right. you're able to get that much deeper and connect that much right. more. Right. Um, so again, maybe I wanted a response. Yeah. I want, that's right. ego. maybe I wanted a response and <laughs> didn't get it, but like, yeah, that was, that's decline. And maybe someone else is seeing a plateau and I would say, no, like this is decline, right. Um, right. which again, is in in the general scheme of things, decline is not what we want, right. but that's part of what working with the elderly comes with. And right. um, yeah, we that's like a whole other conversation we can right. have if you want, but about like right. being able personally to handle that and um, to justify those hospice services when someone right. else might not be able to.
1: That's absolutely true. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I have... I kind of like, I don't know, thought a lot about it. What is my philosophy mm. um, of, of why, I mean, I talked about it already, but why do I work with the senior population? Why is that such a passion of mine? Um, so I have like just some practical tips yeah. on working with them and then Some of the reasons why I love memory care, especially I probably, I have, um, over 20 facilities that I'm working with currently. And so they are it's group music therapy. Mm -hmm. So by a group, I mean, to me, I don't set a limit on how many people they want to bring. So like yesterday I had 30 (laughs) and then sometimes I'll just have three. Um, but it is billed as group music therapy. It's not individual. Um That's just the way I've chosen to go about my uh, my business. It's not that I'm opposed to individual sessions. Um, for one thing, I am not set up to accept Medicaid, Medicare, any of the insurance things so I would have to go through that whole process to do all that and, and it's
0: process yeah.
1: <laughs> And honestly, I haven't felt the desire or the need to do that yet. Um, and actually just yesterday, as a little side note, I attended a training here in the Springs called Military Arts Connection. And what it does is it trains artists, facilitators to work with veterans. Um, Colorado Springs has a huge veterans and a huge military population because of Fort Carson, um, Peterson Air Force Base, you know, the Air Force Base there. And so, um, I have just now put my feelers out to maybe branch out into the veterans. For um Yeah, and provide music therapy sessions for that. So that's kind of exciting because the, the senior facilities that I go to, there are multiple veterans um, mm. in attendance in my group sessions and we have a lot of theme-based sessions based around the military, all the songs, the experiences. um, That's one of my favorite sessions to do. So anyway, my approaches and my philosophy, here they are. Um, If you show dignity and respect, the minute you walk in the door, you are golden. I've already talked about that just a little bit, um, why that's so important to me but I I will keep stressing that Uh, my whole music therapy career for however many long years that I do this afterwards, I'm gonna keep stressing that. The reasons why I love memory care, they need us desperately. They need us desperately and we need them. The reason that we need them is because they have a story to tell. We need to listen to that story. These people were mothers fathers, grandfathers, um, grandmothers, they were children, they were sisters, they were brothers, aunts, uncles. They had a life just like you and I have a life now. I think it's hard for you and I to imagine being old or being Mm -hmm. in a situation where we could not communicate what we want, where our needs are not met immediately, um, physical and emotional, we can't really imagine being um, put in a facility that's not our home, that, that we don't necessarily want to be there. Um, doesn't mean that people aren't nice, doesn't mean that the people you know don't take care of the residents, great, but it's just not our home. And so it's hard for us to imagine now because we're healthy, we can walk, we can talk, um, and we're not dealing with some physical maladies that they are. But if we can try to put ourselves in their shoes and realize that their stories need to be heard and deserve to be heard, because they have life experiences that we actually could get some advice from. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you ask somebody, I've done this intervention a lot of times. I take the song by Doris Day, Que Sarah whatever will be, will be. And in that song, there's advice that the mom is giving to the daughter, and it's good advice. So it's a really great segue to ask them, "What advice would did you give your children growing up? What advice would you give me as a mother, as a grandmother? Um, you know, how did you conduct your your family relationships? It's a, you can even do this in memory care. You really mm-hmm. can if you." Be patient (laughs) and wait for the response and really try to get them to talk. Okay, here's some practical musical type music therapy tips that I kind of like to take into my sessions. Have your songs memorized to maximize eye contact. Mm -hmm. If you can memorize even... okay. Say you're going to do a theme, a patriotic theme, if you could have five songs memorized out of that patriotic theme that you're just going to play on your guitar or your keyboard, do that. So you're not tied to the music, you're not tied to turning pages, you are making eye contact with them, you can stop the music if you need to. Um, You can facilitate discussion that way, but that's just one of the things that I really strive to do um, is to have some songs memorized. I think that's just a practical, practical thing. Look for your nonverbal responses. Look for somebody just waking up, look for them turning their head towards you, anything to get some kind of response. Be able to go with the flow. If you see mm-hmm. something that's not working, definitely change it. If you're not getting response, change your genre of music, um, myself personally when i do sessions i have my keyboard and i have my guitar so Mm -hmm. i've found that playing a a segment on piano and then switching to guitar sometimes that perks somebody up or they'll hear it you know in a different way so you're not just using one um, sound throughout your whole entire session Uh, be patient if you don't have a response at the beginning i've already talked about this a little bit be patient and keep going. I can't tell you how many times I've started a session and after the first song, in my head, I'm so, I'm so glad that people can't read my thoughts because I would just be in trouble. I'm like, oh man, okay, this session is gonna suck. Um, nobody's singing, nobody's responding. They're just sitting there. And then the more you go on, if you keep trying to engage them in conversation and this has been really truly most in memory care units it's really Mm -hmm. it's hard to get them engaged it really is Um, but if you can and if you can find that one resident that's really like alive and singing a lot that's really helpful too to get the other ones going too okay and this one's really important sing songs more than one time Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. Don't just sing a song once and then lay it aside. Sing it, talk about something in the middle about how it pertains to them, and then sing it again. Because that's repetition I have found is really cool. Ask for their favorite songs, even if they're in memory care. A lot of times you're, you're gonna say, what's your favorite song? You hear the crickets. Nobody says anything for like one full minute. But you might get that random person that start singing "Let me call you sweetheart" or "You are my sunshine," and so you roll with it, and mm. you know, kind of go from there.
0: So I don't know. This, those are just some things that I've found that work for me. I think they're important reminders because you you touched on like the challenges of working in elder care, like sometimes it is crickets, sometimes it's slow, sometimes you're like, what is even going on, this is yes. working. And like, <laughs> stay the course, know that the research is supporting you, Right, like, you know, keep doing what you're doing and grab each of those nuggets that you can. And I think everyone needs that reminder. Absolutely.
1: I know that there's gonna be times that
0: that when you walk out of a
1: session, you're gonna think to yourself, I didn't make a lick of difference. Nothing went right.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, this
1: just happened to me a couple of days ago. I mean, my, my music was all over the place. There was a key that was sticking on their piano that was driving me nuts. I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm so like out of this, you know, I didn't really even feel present in
0: mm-hmm. the
1: session, but who knows, who knows what they took away from that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure and hey, it's supposed to last three weeks after you leave. Right. But even if like you didn't see it in session, yeah. but then they transitioned more easily to lunch. Right. Or using yeah. the restroom was easier with staff help. Like yeah. something else in their day, you might not be seeing those ripples, but yeah. chances are very high that you made that positive effect in their day. That's such a or great... three weeks. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, that just blows my mind. Three weeks. That's awesome. I mean, by the time you leave, you're coming back again, and they still remember. Yeah, for sure. It's great. Lovely. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we do the rapid fire?
1: No. I think I blabbered on a lot.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was all good stuff. Good. Just my just sharing my passion. You can tell when I'm you, doing. Can you speak you can tell how passionate you are about it. And especially having found this as a second career,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I, I don't want to say that most people get jaded over time, but it's great <laughs> to hear the passion um, just coming off from of you. You know, having made this transition and saying like, the training was really a lot, but like you have found this spot for yourself. And from experience, I know it's really hard to tailor down your caseload mm-hmm. to what you really want to do. So yeah congratulations and kudos to you for doing that, for finding what works and for like accepting the work that you're truly meant to do. That's hard.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate that validation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We all need it sometimes.
1: Absolutely. (laughs)
0: This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC, where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply model where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet. To determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice, you can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first podcourse purchase. And don't forget that this is your last chance to get our podcourse Music Is Your Superpower before it goes into the vault on August 23rd. Alright, the first rapid fire question is coffee or tea? coffee, decaf. I mean, some people say, what's the point?
1: And I'm like, (laughs) so it has to be a really good dark roast decaf. Mm. Absolutely.
0: It's all about the flavor.
1: (laughs) Yeah, It's all about the flavor. It is. It doesn't really do anything because I don't know. Caffeine just doesn't agree with me as much. So decaf, but if it tastes really good and it's dark roast then, and with cream and sugar. So there you go.
0: I was going to say, that doesn't look very dark. Nope. <laughs> She's holding her coffee for the listeners. It's like, there's there's something else in there. Cream <laughs> <Game> and <of> sugar. <laughs> okay. Lovely. Early bird or night owl? Early bird.
1: Absolutely. No yeah. question. Yep. Getting up. Actually, my husband and I have started a tradition of getting up at six and we go for a walk because it's still really cool mm. here in the springs in the morning before it gets to be 100 degrees. So yeah
0: definitely morning absolutely yeah for sure something you would tell your younger self
1: oh my goodness be kind you are doing so much more good than what you think you are do not be hard on yourself
0: your music therapy elevator speech
1: (sighs) music therapy all right Oh my goodness, this is so hard to put it in a nutshell. I don't know if it is for you. Using music to better the quality of life for individuals who might need it. Even as I say that, I'm like, no, I'm leaving so much more out. But if I could succinctly say it in one sentence, that's what I would say. Yeah. I think that's a good one sentence. Okay.
0: (laughs) Not that you need my opinion. No, no,
1: no. Yes, I do. I need your validation, Tricia.
0: Oh, please. Anyone who wants my opinion, ask me. I'll give it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Your favorite self-care practice. Okay.
1: By far, going up into the mountains. Well, I have two of them. Going up into the mountains and getting out in nature. That clears my head and keeps things in perspective for me. Second Mm -hmm. is, exercise. I have to be exercising in some way, shape, or form. Yep. And I would encourage you all to do the same, some form of activity every day. And for me, if I don't do it in the morning, it doesn't happen. So
0: just my personal opinion. (laughs) can relate to that. Yeah. Something that's currently adding value to your life. Oh my goodness. Value. I mean, I want to kind
1: of step outside my job a little bit because, you know, we don't always want it to be about our job value. Um, I have a Bible study group of ladies that we have met for about three years now. Mm -hmm. They are my source of strength, inspiration, support. There's about seven of us and it's just phenomenal to have, ladies in your life that really understand you and support you
0: yeah support network is so important that's beautiful yes. your favorite song or intervention to use in a session
1: all right well i kind of mentioned it already <laughs> the song "K Sarah by doris day i don't know how many of you Know this song? Do you know it yourself, Tisha? It's
0: do you know what TikTok is? Yes, okay. Uh, it well, I don't have TikTok, but I have Instagram. But Kayser yeah. is like one of the trending audios no way. on TikTok right now. So, as soon oh as you gosh. said it, I was like picturing all the <laughs> short video clips I've seen <laughs> to that tune. Uh, and I was like, I wonder if she knows that. Like,
1: I do not, yeah. but I'm, I'm gonna check it out now for sure. Yeah. That song has sparked so many discussions of how we are supposed to accept things in life as they come to us and not always think this is a bad thing. Can this be something that will grow me into something else? Can it be a stepping stone that even though it's difficult, that maybe life has not turned out the way that I thought, but yet, my attitude is going to make all the difference. It's just a—it's a great song to use not only in the elderly population, but I would use that, you know, in in several different groups just mm-hmm. to spark conversation about that.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about how I can use it in my school groups, especially now that it's popular with the, the younger oh my gosh, crowd. You totally should if it's popular oh with God. them. Um, That's a
1: score right there.
0: You're right. Thank you. Thank you for for making my plans for me. There you go. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. The last question is, where can the listeners find you and connect with you?
1: Okay. I have a website, www.mountainmusictherapy.com. Mountainmusictherapy.com. I have a Facebook page. Just type in Mountain Music Therapy on Facebook and you'll get right to all my contact info. There you go. Short cool. and sweet. Perfect. I, don't have, I, I don't have Instagram. Um, That's okay.
0: It, I mean, it, I can't I can keep up with like, it. Exactly. It it can kind of feel like a rat race. Um, I enjoy yeah. it at times, but there's also times where I don't touch it for yeah very extended. Um, Great. Yeah. And do you have access? Can you send me the links to those articles and stuff, and I'll link them in the show notes. Absolutely. Absolutely, I
1: can do that. Wow, this has been such a treat to talk with you. I've really I I enjoyed. It. I I think that sometimes we as music therapists don't get a lot of t- chances to articulate what why we do what we do and why we love what we do, and it's just a wonderful venue that you've created to be Thanks. able to do that. And so,
0: I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and and sharing your passion with everyone and Absolutely. being that source for someone else seeking it today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode and I'll see you in the next one.